We've known about this for about 400 years since Galileo first observed sunspots on the surface of the sun. Sunspots, by the way, are magnetic storms on the surface of the sun. And although they uh, are at thousands of degrees, they're sufficiently cooler than the rest of the sun's surface to look, show up as dark spots. Roughly speaking, the more sunspots, the higher the cycle, and the warmer the weather, the more radiant energy arrives at Earth. We happen to be in a very low sunspot cycle now, uh, cycle 24, and it's the, uh, the lowest in about 100 years. That should mean cooler weather. However, as you say, we've been having records for, for heat. So we suspect that uh, the heating of the Earth's atmosphere due to the greenhouse effect is tending to mask the, the tendency to cool that the solar cycle should be giving us. So what say you for the winter that's coming up? Well, for your area, we're saying it's going to be a warmer than normal winter, um, you know, which doesn't mean you're going to be running around in T-shirts and shorts. Right. Uh, there'll be very cold days, there'll be snowstorms and so forth. Um, but compared to last winter, which was an extraordinarily warm winter, across much of the eastern part of the country anyway, um, it's going to feel colder, even though statistically it'll be a little bit warmer than, than average. Next summer includes something we haven't seen in the U.S. in almost 40 years, a total eclipse of the sun. Uh, when and where will people be able to see that? This is very exciting. This is a very big deal. Um, it's, it's on August 21st, just a little less than a year from right now, um, the path of totality, totality, which is a 140-mile-wide stripe, will begin up on the Oregon coast and go all the way to South Carolina, which means it's really crossing over the heart of the country. And, and I'm planning to find my way to that stripe because I've never seen a total eclipse. And from all accounts, it's an unforgettable experience. This is the Almanac's 225th edition, and you've made a few subtle changes uh, that longtime readers will notice. But to be around as long as you have, uh, you have to change with the times, of course. How do you balance that need to be modern and current and up-to-date with uh, the desire to preserve the traditions of the Almanac? That's a great question, and it's a question that we consider and contemplate every day as editors here. Um, I'd like to change the terms of the question in a sense sure. and go back to 1792 at which point you know it was not an old almanac it was brand new and there were dozens of other almanacs being published um, and for Robert B. Thomas who despised uh, uh, superstition about the weather he saw himself as a modern farmer with a scientific method and this little yellow book was a handheld computer. Um, this was what what a scientist, um, sorry, what a farmer at the cutting edge of agriculture would use to make decisions about the very complex business of of running a farm successfully. So he thought of himself as a as a a new new farmer. Um, we keep that in mind as we go along, without, as you say, losing the traditional quality that I think is really the, the key to what makes us popular and still surviving uh, two and a quarter centuries later. People like to believe there's some deeper wisdom. 
that's not technological, even though we do use all kinds of the most modern technology we can find to make our forecasts. But the weather is only 16 pages out of 272 pages in this almanac. Mm-hmm. So we, we try to keep a perspective, um, be scientific, look to the future, but never lose sight of that intimate connection to the sky and the earth that has made the almanac a success, has made almanacs in general successful for thousands of years. Now, you mentioned handheld computers. Of course, we actually have those today. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, you started a monthly e-reader called Extra. Uh, it's an update uh, to the almanac that you can subscribe to. Full disclosure, I do subscribe to it on my uh, tablet. Uh, what do you think the almanac might look like 225 years from now? I'm not that good a prophet, <laughs> but I will tell you this. I'm totally certain that there will still be a paper almanac. Um, part of our success has been that we, we always bear our, our, our forefathers in mind. Um, here's a little story that might interest you. You might not have heard before. Um, back in the 1930s, the almanac was published by Little Brown, the big book publisher in Boston. Mm-hmm. And in 1939, they decided for some reason that it was time to to update the almanac and get rid of those weather forecasts. Well, that was a disaster. Uh, Circulation dropped like a rock. And and they sold. They sold off the almanac to a fellow named Rob Sagendorf here in Dublin, New Hampshire. And he was the founder of Yankee Publishing. We also publish Yankee Magazine. Luckily for the almanac, um, Rob Sagendorf happened to be a collector of old almanacs. So he knew exactly what an 18th century almanac should look like, and he made sure that we went back to exactly that model. In fact, in the 225th edition, you can see what the, what the almanac looked like in 1792. And Sagendorf said, let's look like that. Let's have the same information on the calendar pages. And it's fascinating to look at it um, and see some of the articles. There's, there's cures for pimples and freckles and, and all kinds of other folk remedies. Robert B. Thomas is probably turning in his grave when he thinks <laughs> about that, but um, it's a connection. We make, keep the connection strong between the past and the future. We're craft beer fans here at WDET, and so apparently were some of our presidents uh, who brewed their own, and uh, that's written about in uh, this edition. Uh, what else will readers learn from the article, Froth of Our Fathers? <laughs> well, I wrote that article, oh. and what, what surprised me uh, was not that early presidents like Washington and Jefferson made their own beer. All farmers did. Uh, beer was essential. Um, because the water and the milk, for example, were, were not necessarily safe to drink. So even children drank near beer, you know, a small alcoholic percentage beer, because the brewing process itself got rid of bacteria. Um, what surprised me was that we apparently have not had a president since Jefferson who brewed his own beer until we got to Barack Obama. Um, and he famously gave the, uh, the White House chef... Um, the go-ahead to make beer using honey from the the beehives that Mrs. Obama uh, installed at the White House. And that recipe, I think, uh, has been shared uh, publicly, yes, too. Has. So, all right. Well, uh, some reporters had to get a Freedom of Information Act <laughs> rule to, to do that. Sensitive state secret. Exactly. So um, uh, anything you want to add, Tim? 
Um, I'll tell you something. the most surprising fact in the almanac this year to me came in the section up front we call trends that talks about what might be coming in the near future. But in the part on farming, I was very surprised to learn that more than three-quarters of young farmers did not grow up on a farm. And I think that's shocking, and I think it's something new in human history, because farming was always something that passed in a family from father to son, grandparents to grandchildren. The idea that people are now growing up off a farm and deciding to go back to it um, is exciting and surprising.